0: Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. It's
1: always getting heavy up in the Metal Mayhem ROC studios. It's Thursday night. It's 8 p.m. And it's time for Metal Mayhem ROC. I'm John the Vernomatic Verno, and I want to thank you for joining us in any capacity that you did. Again, you can always go to MetalMayhemROC.com to visit some of the old shows, some of the archive pieces, old interviews. And there you can click on any podcast platform that you want to listen to the show tonight we have a good one we have in the studio metal forever mark my co-host and brother in metal he's back from his uh heavy metal homework assignment and he's here with tons and tons of stream prevention cuts that he's gonna share with us tonight's feature interview is reb beach he's a 30 plus year veteran of rock and roll been in bands like white snake Dokken, founding member of winger as well as tons and tons of other performers that you never even would imagine. And we're having a uh, check-in with Metal Mayhem ROC correspondent Southern Kale. Kale's down on the beach of Melbourne, Florida, and he has a review and an update on 80s new wave of British heavy metal band Angel Witch. So Kale's going to be calling the metal hotline in a few minutes, and we'll be talking with him. But without any further ado, let me say hello to our Metal Mayhem co-host and our brother in metal, Metal Forever
2: Mark. Hey, Vernomatic. Brothers in metal, for sure. Hey, it's happy and glad to be back in the Metal Mayhem ROC studios. As much as we love doing the uh, technology Zoom phone and everything else these days, nothing like being here at home base where you got your command center and I get to watch the Vernomatic at work. (laughs) And uh, yeah, talk some metal, man. Because to your point, I've been in the heavy metal hiatus. Been been on. You gave me a whole bunch of homework to do. So, uh. (laughs) oh well, Mark, it's good to have you back, man. It's uh, you know, I get lonely sometimes up
1: here in the metal mayhem (laughs) cave. It's nice to have uh, some humans up here. So, so what do you got tonight? You uh, have some surprises. Yeah,
2: well, I think uh, you you know, we're gonna like we have talked about. uh, One of the goals of the show has always been to uh, reflect back and. Look at the history of metal and metal back in the day and obviously pay tribute and homage to all of our great bands that we've been following through our metal careers here. So today we're going to go through um, a new Accept song that dropped, new ACDC, new Butcher Babies. Actually, they're you know I, I really love, I love, love that band and dig what they do. Uh, and then we're going to preview a 2019 Ruthless track as well so first one is accept uh to mean to die this is the second release from their upcoming album the whole album has not dropped yet but i and um, we previewed another track about two three weeks back so let's give this one a go <laughs> So, Too Mean to Die by Accept. Hopefully that's one of the bands we could uh, get on the show pretty soon with their new album upcoming. I don't know when the release date is. We should maybe do a- January Metal- 15th. Ah, there you go. Metal n- Mayhem Rock fact-checking. All right, Nuclear, Nuclear Blast. Well the, uh, the new one's coming out. See, who needs CNN, man, for fact-checking? We got Metal Mayhem Rock fact-checkers. <laughs> uh, all right, next track. This is from the new ACDC release. Uh, this whole album has dropped. By the way, I don't know about you, but I've seen the last week or so, like just a lot of people praising this one, like amen for ACDC or hey, ACDC slipping in at the before 2020 to save 2020. Best thing that's happened in 2020, new ACDC. This this track popped out at me. I know you said it was a little soft and a little melodic through the mists of time. Let's give it a little listen. All right, that's new ACDC from Power Up, the 2020 release. It's just good old-fashioned, straightforward, Brian Johnson, uh, ACDC, right? Angus Young doing his thing. Like, it's, it's just no, no great surprises so far, just straightforward, but it's refreshing in a lot of ways. Uh, what's next? <laughs> All right, so now we're going to go. This is definitely metal band. Uh, Butcher Babies, uh, they have a new single called bottom of the bottle actually butcher babies are one of my uh i guess sleeper bands for lack of a better term they're not going to make like my Rushmore. they're probably not going to make my top 10 i feel like this band's been maturing over time i feel like they are getting to be they're good songwriters i've always felt that i don't know we'll see where the whole direction's going but uh i guess we'll give it a listen and then we'll talk more about it That was uh, bottom of the B- uh, bottle, new release by Butcher Babies. Your next one, what do we, what do you have? Yeah, so this is another one. Um, I, I kind of, I think uh, when when we interviewed Don Dokken and he found all those uh, lost songs back in the vaults, I did something a little similar because I found a bunch of lost interviews that I had just been recording under Metal Forever before we started Metal Mayhem Rock. And one of the interviews I found, and it's like, you know, classic cell phone, not very produced, just straight up heavy metal banter. I interviewed Sammy D from the band called Ruthless. And this was a band that I didn't know much about. Turns out they were way back in the 80s. They were kind of out there when all the big stuff was coming on. And then they went on hiatus for like 30 years almost. And then Sammy D from Ruthless reinvigorated the band about three or four years ago. What was cool back then was, though... um, he told me he signed a deal for three new albums with their record label, and then this one I realized uh, that 2019 they dropped a new CD. So that was just a year ago, not even. So this track's called "In Blood." We'll give it a listen, and then we'll talk a little bit more about Ruthless and Sammy D. all right so that was ruthless sammy d is the lead singer and that is from their 2019 release good old-fashioned straightforward heavy metal there's no other way to describe it and um again why they didn't get a little more notoriety back in the day i don't know but it's cool to see that they're still out there active and cranking out new metal
0: now direct from a sunny beach in florida How is he not hot in all that leather? It's Metal Mayhem ROC correspondent, Southern Cal, with concert and music reviews, interviews, and more. Go ahead and pass the sunscreen. Here's Southern Cal.
1: Just like the cool guy says on the voiceover opening, live from the beach of Melbourne, Florida, Metal Mayhem ROC correspondent,
2: Southern Cal. Johnny, how are you, buddy?
3: Doing good, Vernomatic, Metal Mark, how
2: are you? By the way, how do I get a cool intro like that, man? I, I've been doing this for a while, and I still don't even have my own.
3: I, I couldn't tell you. you got to know the man. <laughs> Ten bucks and a dozen wings will get you far in this business. <laughs> That's
1: right. So uh, you went to the Metal Mayhem Lab, Cal, and you came up with a Screaming for Vengeance special. What do you got for us?
3: Well, I'm looking at uh, talking a little bit about the uh, new release 2019 from band Angel Witch. Uh, it's called Angel of Light. Of course, anybody knows British heavy metal. Their self titled 1981 album was uh, definitely in the top 10 of that time for sure. Um, unfortunately, this was one of those bands that kind of, after that release, slipped into some obscurity um, and you just bad management. Who knows? It's just, uh, I know that uh, there was a time when he was actually in California trying to record there and ended up getting deported by his, his uh, tour manager. So just a fortune, you know, bad luck, string of bad events, um, a great band, but just probably could have been a little more in the mainstream of things up in the Metallica line, let's say maybe not quite that popular, but uh, still none the same.
2: Hey, Southern Cal, uh, Metal Fever Mark here A question real quick. Cause I, I don't want to steal the, uh, your, your thunder on this one, but um uh, you know, so were they one of those bands that you definitely got back in were into back in the day, and then just found out that they had new releases, or are you like, hey, they got a new release, and then you're like, what is this band?
3: Model Mark, I've been there since day one. <laughs> that that <laughs> first self titled album um, was is probably in my top five all time favorite. Um, I overplayed the played the grooves out of that album for sure, and I stayed with this band. They 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 put out some releases. I believe this is their tenth studio release. The, the latest Angel of Light. Just many lineup changes as anybody that stayed up when current with the band. Too many to name. Current lineup of the band right now is Kevin Hayborn on lead guitar and vocals. Uh, Jimmy Martin on guitars. Will Palmer, who's got the longest tenure in the band so far, on bass. And uh, Frederick Jansen on drums.
1: Now, uh, Kevin, what's the guy's, the, the Kevin what? Kevin Hayborn. Yeah, wasn't he one of the original? I remember that name. Wasn't he one of he the original?
3: He, he is the original, the only original left in the band.
1: I got into the band back in the day too. I didn't realize they had 10 releases.
3: Well, right after the the self-titled, um, I don't know why they ended up doing this because I really didn't like these albums too much, but they did um Screaming and Bleeding and A Frontal Attack with a a different singer, David Tatum. Um, who is no longer obviously in the band but it was it was different Um, I think that was their attempt to maybe be get a little more mainstream um, and it just didn't pan out it was totally different Angel Witch and then after that we had a bunch of uh, releases like Sinister History um, the live release of course and I believe during that live recording was the time when uh, Hayborn was deported from California back to England by his band manager, they had a little disagreement on something, but who knows, who knows what have happened with that. But, uh, they also, you know, they've, they've managed to stay in the, in the program for a while now, which was nice.
1: Wow. Wow. Drama. Well, we're going to give Southern Cal a little homework. We're going to, we want you to find out, maybe get yourself an interview and find out exactly what's going on with the angel witch camp
3: oh that would be my bucket list uh interview right there with kevin hayborn for sure Uh, like i said long time favorite band
1: so we're gonna take a listen to the um song what what are we listening to tonight
3: i believe it's don't turn back
1: okay and so this is the opening track from the new album and any uh any parting shots on it and anything that stands out with this so what attracts you to this
3: don't Turn Back is definitely a standout. Another song called We Are the Damned and Window of Despair are probably the, the real standouts on that album. Um, real quick, they are playing a show, in case you happen to be in the Tokyo, Japan area, on <laughs> April 29th. Um, they're calling it Extermination Day, and they are playing with a band called Church of Misery from Japan.
1: Oh, well, I don't think I'll be there, but it's cool that um, the other side of the world's getting there. So that, Exactly. That, that's great because... Um, we one of the new show sponsors at metal mayhem roc is a company called uh freedom x and they're they have uh the official hand sanitizer of uh metal mayhem roc we want to catch up with angel witch the new track and we want to thank metal mayhem roc correspondent southern kale for taking time out of his day and joining us
3: hey thank you Vernomatic and metal mark uh Just to look forward to a coming attraction, we'll be probably looking at uh, the new Anvil release, Legal at Last 2020 release, uh, on a future show. Okay, we look forward,
1: and we'll line that up. Thanks, guys. Thanks,
3: guys, for having me.
1: See ya.
0: To return to concert venue soon, introducing Metal Mayhem ROC Metal Forever Freedom X Sanitizer. This sanitizer product is water and foam based, manufactured with proprietary HYIQ solution. That's right, no alcohol, but more effective. Manufactured following FDA sanitizer monograph guidelines, it applies smooth without irritating the skin. Safe for all ages. Keep your friends and family safe with Metal Mayhem ROC's own sanitizer. Visit metalmayhemroc.com or Metal forever.com to order your bottles now. Use promo code METAL at the Freedom X checkout store for a show discount. Now, now back to Metal Mayhem ROC.
1: So there you have music from Angel Witch. And I want to thank uh, Metal Mayhem ROC correspondent Southern Cal for really putting that together. That's uh, one of those bands, that, that whole movement back in the early 80s that was just it's, we've documented it. It's just it was something really special, that new wave of British heavy metal. So uh, tonight's feature interview, Reb Beach. He's a 30-year veteran of rock and roll. He's a guitarist that has played with many bands. He's considered, quote, a shredder. Mark, what do you, uh, what's, your, what's your take on Reb Beach?
2: By the way, um, just real quick, back before we go to Red Beach for a second, Angel Witch, I just checked out on Spotify. They've got Their, their one track's got over 4 million listens. <laughs> so people know about them clearly. And then that new one we just heard is up to almost 200,000 listens. So uh, Angel Witch is just a band. Yeah, This is cool about this show, right? We get turned on to new music that none of us really knew about. Um, anyway, just wanted to throw that in about Angel Witch. So nice to talk to uh, Southern Cow. Uh, back so Red Beach. Um, look, man, I, I, uh, look, I was a big Winger fan back in the day. I must admit, um, I thought the first two Winger albums were fantastic, and he was the guitarist, um, in those uh, albums, on those albums, I mean. And then he kind of dropped off the scene. I'm not sure if he left Winger or, or what the reasons were. Maybe you talk about it during the interview, but um. To me, the Dokken "Erase the Slate" album, in my view, is one of the best Dokken albums. I'm gonna throw it up there, in the Lock and Key and um, Tooth and Nail and uh, Back for the Attack mode. Actually, really heavy. And Red Beach wrote the the riffs to that album, so I think I'm a big fan. I didn't know he was to, was is he? When did he join White Snake? He joined White Snake back in uh, like he's been in the band 18 years. And um, wow. He's a great guitar player from everything I can tell. I'd, another guy I'd love to learn more about and take a little deeper dive into. Um, so I'm glad you had a chance to speak with him, Vertematic.
1: Yeah, well, the name of the album, he's releasing a new album, actually a release November 6th, called A View from the Inside. And this is an instrumental album. And basically it's a COVID album. This was a lot of material that he had for like 30 years. And um, during the COVID stuff, he was talking to Kip and a couple other people, and Kip Winger said, "Hey, dude, you know that's great stuff. Release it." So he he released it. It's getting a lot of uh, hype. A lot of like um, guitar and musician guys are really digging it. So it's a pretty cool interview. So Red Beach, the a view from the inside, and um, he also touched on a little bit of. You know, he's played with so many people throughout the years. And in the interview, he talks about he has a metal confession that's pretty damn cool. And we also have a chance to do a uh, Mount Rushmore. And so he has Mount Rushmore of a guitarist. So before we kick into this, I'm just going to do a little bit of a song from the Red Beach called Cutting Loose. Then we're going to do the interview and we're going to get out of here. Mark, you want to say anything
2: before we get out of here? No, Vernomatic, always good to be back in the studio. Great show. Uh, love, love the metal, and uh, that's why we're doing it. And I'm, I got some homework now, heavy metal homework. So,
1: Okay, cool. Mark, uh, great seeing you. And this is A View from the Inside, New Reb Beach. This is a song called Cutting Loose, Metal Mayhem, ROC. We're talking with Reb Beach, guitarist for over 30 years in the rock and roll recording industry, founding member of Winger, approaching 20 years as a guitarist of David Coverdale's White Snake. He has a brand new instrumental album out called A View from the Inside, and we're touching base on his illustrious career working with everyone and anyone. Reb, welcome to Metal Mayhem.
4: Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. Great to be here.
1: Of course, of course so uh we have a brand new instrumental release a view from the inside came out last friday tell us about it why now and what's this all about
4: it's been a long time coming um it was way back in 1993 when all of the 80s bands kind of were shot down in flames and i was wondering what the heck i was going to do and I was thinking about being like a Joe Satriani kind of artist and doing instrumental rock stuff. And I made demos and I shopped them around and nobody would buy it. Even though everyone liked it, they wanted something with vocals on it. And so I put those demos for sale on my website and they shot through the roof. And I got all of these mails and comments from people. You need to do this music. This is the best thing you've ever done. We love it, blah, blah, blah and um so i started working on it but then i got alice cooper and then i got doc and i got night ranger and then i there was writing involved in all of that where um you know i had to i had a deadline for stuff and so my instrumental thing just kept being put on the back burner and uh i would work on it as a hobby i never actually thought it would ever get released the way it was going but i loved it and um i just uh you know, would work on it here and there. And then when COVID hit, I was talking to Kip Winger about what the heck am I going to do now? And he said, whatever whatever happened to that, you know, fusion stuff you've been working on forever. And I said, oh, I finished that years ago. And He said, why don't you release it? I said, well, that's a good idea. So that's how that came about. Now, that's
1: funny <laughs> that you use the adjective fusion, because if I were to give a compliment to this, I would call it like Spyro gyro on speed. Some of these tracks, yeah, some of these tracks, songs like "Black Magic," "Little Robots," "Cutting Loose" has a serious '80s feel to it. What's the bor- mm. what's the born on date of those tracks?
4: Well, you picked uh, the three oldest tracks.
1: <laughs> uh, well, maybe, you know, I'm a prophet of the '80s too. Maybe it just, I think so. It just had yeah. a stamp
4: to it. Yeah. um, Cutting Loose was written for my instructional video in 1989. Black Magic was written for a Guitar World compilation album actually was released in 89, I think. Um, It was 31 years ago that that album was released and, and it was the first song on that album. But it sounded like crap, so I wanted to redo that song and make it sonically better with a real drummer instead of me on a tiny little drum machine. Mm-hmm. And little Little Robots was written in 1986. It was the first fusiony song I ever wrote. So, um, so you pegged it. Those are the those were the first songs I wrote um, for like an instrumental thing.
1: The press release hit nailed it right on where it said. Even though there's not vocals here, it will stick in your head and you'll bop along to it. So <laughs> it's a credit to you and your uh, the crew. Now, you do have a new video out for it. Who are some of the guys playing on the, uh, excuse my pronunciation, Infinito
4: Infido 1122? Yeah, uh, Infinito. It's, it's uh, Italian for infinity. And uh, 1122, if you Google 1122, it's the, um, it's the angel number that if you start seeing that number, 1122, it means that it's time to change your life, to start again, that the angels are telling you it's time to start fresh. And I love that idea. So um, that song. Oh, yeah. It's just the guys from the Red Beach Project, my little outfit here that um, we play uh, around town. And Dave Throckmorton, the drummer, is my drummer who played on Masquerade, my instrumental, not instrumental, my my uh, solo album, where I sang on it in 2003. Um, that's what I ended up doing because everyone wanted me to sing, <laughs> to, to have a record with vocals. So my first solo album was me singing. This one's instrumental. But yeah, the Throckmorton and then John Hall from my little band here, the Red Beach Project.
1: Now, uh, circling back on these solos, uh, you have in 1993 the Fusion demos. Is that what you were referring to where you posted it and people commented and wanted it?
4: Yes. They bought it. They bought a ton of them. (laughs) You can get it on iTunes.
1: And then the 2001. Now, was Masquerade, uh, was that a global release or was that? Oh, yeah.
4: Yeah, it was big budget. You know, that was awesome. I'm very proud of that record and uh, got killer reviews and, and everyone loves that record. Um, I think it was 2003 that came out. I could be mistaken, um, but again, you can get that anywhere. It's all me singing.
1: We're talking with Reb Beach, guitarist for over 30 years in the rock and roll recording industry. He has a brand new instrumental album out called A View From The Inside, and we're touching base on his illustrious career working with everyone and anyone. I want to start talking about some of the projects you've been involved with. Obviously, the beginning of your band career, if you will, is when you and Kip Winger hooked up in the 80s. Tell us a little bit about that.
4: Well, um, I was a session player at Atlantic Records, and so was Kip. And we would do sessions for Bo. We were kind of like his A-team. And um, I would sit there and play guitar all day, and Bo would always come in and say, what's that you're playing and I would say I don't know I'm just noodling and he would say those are great riffs and so he told Kip Winger this kid Reb, you should get together with him and write some songs and I hated Kip Winger and he hated me so we didn't really get you. along that well but it was Bo's idea to get us in a room and we got in a room together I played him the riff for 17 which I had no idea what it was it just sounded cool to me and he said that's a chorus I said you got to be nuts that's a chorus He said, trust me. And in one day we wrote Madeline 17 Time to Surrender. And I felt like I had just met the most amazing person on Earth. And for the next few years, I worshipped the ground that he walked on and followed him around like the little dog in the Bugs Bunny cartoons that followed the big dog around like the big dog. You know, the bulldog would go dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. The little dog would be like, hey, what are we doing, Ralph? What are we doing today? You know, like, <laughs> I would follow him around New York City, just, you know, stuck to him like glue because uh, I had never met anyone like him. He was a genius.
1: Now, when uh, you mentioned, you mentioned Bo Hill, the producer. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't to do work with Skid Row, a couple other bands? Is that-
4: he was war- Warrant and, um, and Rat.
1: Okay, so was he the... Uh, the, the hot producer at the time, or it's just he was. One, you know, one of a Michael Wagner and some of the other guys that spread out over the landscape. Uh, the Alice Cooper, the whole Alice Cooper setup, how did that develop?
4: Uh, I was desperate for a gig. You know, I, I had nothing. I sold my house, sold all my guitars. Um, Kip heard that Alice was looking for someone and holding auditions in L.A., and he lent me the money to fly out there. And there was 20 guys at the audition, including Warren D Martini from RAT. And I was nervous as a cat. But when I got in there, uh, we were playing the song Poison. And I was the only guy that just stepped up to the mic and went, Poison! And I just did that. Alice said, you got the gig. Right there. He hired me on the spot. As soon as I just, all I said was Poison. <laughs> he said, excellent. you got it.
1: <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> the uh, session with Dawkins. You were on for the erase the slade album. How come it was just such a short sh- uh just the four years with Dachan?
4: Uh, because I got White Snake.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, let me do the math on there.
4: <laughs> well, it was funny. I actually called Don. Um, we w- Dawkins was supposed to open for White Snake, and so we were scheduled to open for Whitesnake, then I got the White Snake gig, so I called Don and said, Don, you're opening for me now. <laughs> <laughs> Which that,
1: fun. That's great because we have a um, email from a listener, Kale Jammer from Vegas. He wants to know, seeing that you were the now you're the longest tenure member besides Coverdale and White How was the transition to being Coverdale's right hand man after Doug Aldrich left the band?
4: Can Reb touch on this? Oh yeah, sure. It, it was it was a little odd at first because I was used to being right next to the bass player um who was my dear friend and uh I was kind of used to being on that side and whenever I would go up and jam with David I I was on a side where I could kind of touch shoulders with him you know um but then when I got over to the other side you have way more room it's like oh the whole stage is yours so I kind of felt weird like naked and then when I went to jam with David the microphone was always in the way so it was like very awkward at first for me to get used to but um you know it was nice to be on that side of the stage uh they say that that side of the stage you get a, a little more um you know people watching you <laughs> you know because you because you it's like the whole side of the stage is yours so there's more focus on you on that side but you know David would probably argue that, even though maybe he knows deep inside uh, that it's true. You know, he he asked me when I first got the gig, he said, "Uh, do you have any problems being on stage right? And I said, well, no, what's the difference? He said, well, the difference is that you would be on my right as opposed to on my left. (laughs) And I said, well, (laughs) I guess not then, but uh, then as uh, as I did the gig, I realized, oh, I see. You know, it's it's more of a little bit more of a star kind of position to be on that side. So you know, after whatever it was, fourteen years, I, I graduated to that position and and uh, got comfortable after a few months.
1: Is uh, what's the over under on the number of times David Coverdale has said to you in that English accent, "Cheers to you, Mister Beach."
4: Oh, darling, how are you, darling? (laughs) You know, rebel. how are you this fine morning? And, you know, like in his Armani robe and, um, you know, I'm just like, you know, hung over with my belly hanging out. It's eight in the morning. You know, we were the odd couple. I lived there for a year and, you know, he's British royalty and I'm, you know, a a slob. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we were completely uh, opposites. Um, but he was lovely and he's always so, so wonderful to his band. You know, it's, he's like a, a pirate captain. We're just on the ship.
1: The fraternity of guys that have played guitar and Whitesnake, you know, it's a, it's like the Mount Rushmore yourself Vi Aldridge going all the way back to Sykes. And it's, it's always a treat. It's too bad we're involved in this COVID stuff. Cause we're looking forward to this White Snake tour.
4: Yeah, it's, it's the ultimate guitar gig. I, I auditioned for Hall & Oates two months before I got the Whitesnake gig, and I'm glad I didn't get it because, <laughs> you know, Whitesnake, it's the ultimate guitar gig, man. You get to solo your face off, and um, they're great songs. You know, playing Still of the Night still gives me chills.
1: Well, uh, let's touch on the, the Purple album. Where does Richie Blackmore rank up there in your hierarchy, your Rushmore of uh, guitar players? Comment on the Purple album.
4: Well, um, when we first, when David first came to me to do that, I did a lot of work on that record. When he first came to me, I thought we were going to just recreate those songs and do it just as raw as possible. That was my vision. I was like, oh, man, let's just do a it. 70s vibe, you know, one keyboard, and, uh, you know, one guitar, just make it raw. And he said, absolutely not. <laughs> he said, this is, I want the barrage of tanks coming over the mountain of guitars and, you know, bass and drums. Gigantic production with huge vocals. And I was like, okay. And so that's where we went with it. We did it differently than in the originals. He, he had this vision where he wanted it to be a big production. Um, and that's what we did I had never heard those songs before it was before my time and I loved them very much when I heard them like oh man I love these songs so good Uh, and it was a it was just a great experience it was a great tour more than anything for me um, because the people loved the music and and the songs really um, did well uh, live you know They, they were perfect for live did you find, you you,
1: you just mentioned a, the tour, did you find that the, it, seeing it was a deep purple angle, that it was a different
4: audience? No, it was, the, it, it was the most successful tour we did with me being in the band.
1: We're talking with Reb Beach, guitarist for over 30 years in the rock and roll recording industry. He has a brand new instrumental album out called A View From The Inside. And we're touching base on his illustrious career working with everyone and anyone. Now you just quickly touched on, explained. Give me a little history on this Hall and Oates audition. What was that all about?
4: <laughs> Hall and Oates, really? You're like, yep. I, I needed a gig, and and uh, I I uh, <laughs> went to the audition <laughs> at uh, Daryl's place in uh, in New York. There, and I think it's New York. Is it Connecticut? I think it's New York. Anyway, um, nervous as a cat, got in there and all the guys in the band said we're breaking for lunch to set up your stuff. So, I started to set up my stuff and I realized I was talking to myself, saying, you know, okay, reb, you can do this. Come on, plug in your guitar. Don't be nervous. You're going to be fine. Like talking out loud to myself because I was so freaking nervous. And um, then we went to the, play this one song and I played a chord that was the right chord, but it was the wrong inversion. So, it was the wrong place on the neck to play the chord, and the guy said, well, you know, the bass player, he said, you got to play that chord over here. And I said, I don't know how to play that chord over there. And he said, well, didn't you read the chart? And I said, no, I don't read music. Well, that's why I didn't get the gig. I thought, but then I realized that the whole thing was on camera for Daryl Hall to watch. So I think he was watching me while I was going, come on, Reb, you can do this. Oh. <laughs> you know, just talking to myself like a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. no doubt. Um, And yeah, that's probably why I didn't get it. But then I saw those guys from hollow notes a year later And we were at the same hotel, and they were like, Rev, you are so lucky to get the White Snake gig, man. We would love to have that gig because, you know, it can get boring playing rich girl every night as opposed to still of the night uh, where you can spread your legs and rock.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds sounds about right. (laughs) We got a couple cool little segments that we do on Metal Mayhem ROC, and one of them is a segment we call Mount Rushmore of Metal
0: many have tried most have failed only a few survived this is the mount rushmore of metal
1: let me get your top four contemporary guitarists that you would put up on this mount rushmore and why
4: oh my god that's so hard to do um alan holdsworth uh he is he was so ahead of his time that there probably won't ever be a guitar player that reached the the heights that he did. Um, Jimi Hendrix, of course, mm-hmm. who started the whole thing. You know, I was not influenced by Jimi Hendrix. I was influenced by guitar players that were influenced by Jimi Hendrix. Um, you know, it, it all it all started with him. Yeah. Yeah, Eddie Van Halen, of course, who I wouldn't have I wouldn't be where I am today positively without uh eddie van halen in, in just in for one example when i did all those sessions at atlantic studios for shaka khan and howard jones and roger daltrey and um the bgs it was because they all wanted a van halen solo on their record because michael jackson had just come out with beat it Wow. So, so, so I was getting hired all over the place on these big name records. Cause I was the hot young kid who could do the finger tapping thing, <clears throat> and not to mention, you know, winger probably wouldn't be, wouldn't have existed, you know, cause they started the whole glam thing, Van Halen with the, you know, with the flashy guitar player. Um, and then, you know, uh, I guess you got to say Joe Satriani and Steve and <laughs> Bob's your uncle. Is that, is that five guys?
1: Well, you know, it's metal. We don't keep track that much. It's just, (laughs) yeah, that's fine. It's, it's, it's pretty par for the course. Uh, Just reiterating everything you're saying Um, metal confession. Is there a history of playing a gig that at first, when you got it, you thought, Oh, ho-hum, this is just, you know, a payday. But then after the, after it gets done, you really pulled something out of it and you learned something and it's one of your more memorable gigs it's just looking at this list the stuff you've been doing it's just fantastic so
4: well, well yeah no i mean some I, you know i could say the Bee Gees for sure because i went in just thinking it would be a session i didn't know that i would meet all the Bee Gees and i didn't know that they would all smoke marijuana and that they would stand around me and sing a cappella the parts that they wanted me to hear. So there was weed all over the studio. They put me up at the Doral. It was the Doral in Miami on the beach. And um, hung out at their amazing studio and just weed smoke everywhere, bags of weed everywhere. And they came down and got in a circle around me and said, uh, do you know what, mate? We want you to hear this part, but it's not on the tape yet. So, do you mind if we just sing it for you? And I was like, yeah, great. You know, and they just, you know, stood around. Oh, here we go, mates. And it was like, you know, oh, 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 Jana, Jana. And I was like, wow. was the Bee Gees. are standing around me, and I think I'm stoned because of the smoke that is, uh, you know, permeating my nostrils. It was really, really a great experience.
1: Did they have satin shirts on and look like they walk off the set of Saturday Night Fever?
4: No, but they did look cool, you know. It was like, you know, white uh, white uh, bell bottoms and, you know, just a cool button-down shirt. They were just chilling, man.
1: Uh, last question, and I got to ask it. Pender Rochester, what's your take on the great, great, great House of Guitars?
4: Man, I I think I've been there once in my life, and it freaked me out. I'd never have seen anything like that before. And I'm not a huge guitar guy. Like, you know, I don't know anything about what's collectible and what's not. But just walking through and looking. I remember seeing a Gibson Explorer that I fell in love with, the wooden one. I love wood guitars, wood grain guitars. But, no, it's overwhelming to a musician to go to see something like that. I used to hang out at Sam Ash and uh, and Manny's on 48th Street in New York. And, um, you know, I thought that was the most impressive thing I ever saw. And then when you walk into that place, it's it's like, uh, you know, you died and went to heaven. So uh, I'd love to go back there again when I'm in town. And I will. poster probably goes there every time he's in town.
1: Well, you know, everyone goes there. It's... Um... It's just uh, world renowned. It's, you know, it's really cool. You look back at uh, there's, if you go on, you could Google it. Rock stars with house of guitar shirts on. And there's uh, you know, Tony Iommi, the guys from yeah. ACDC. It's just, and these are like back from the seventies. So, well, Reb, <laughs> I want to thank you for stopping in tonight. Again, the album, a view from the inside, where can people find it? And what's your social media handles?
4: Oh, just, you know, thank you. uh, And thanks, John. This has been great. Um, Just Amazon. You can buy it on Amazon. No problem. uh, iTunes. And uh, you can get a guitar lesson from me at, uh, you know, just Google Red Beach guitar lessons. And, you know, uh, just Facebook. I have a Facebook page. I'm terrible at social media.
1: Yeah, it sucks. You
4: know <laughs> yeah. It's just not my thing.
1: <laughs> uh Facebook here, my partner yeah, in the show. me. Yeah. Just so
4: just look right. me up.
1: Well, stay healthy. Uh enjoy the South and uh we'll see you on tour very soon. Thanks very much, John. Okay, have a good night, Rob. Thanks. You too. Bye.
0: Metal for life. Thanks for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our websites at MetalMayhemROC.com and MetalForever.com for information on upcoming concerts, podcasts, archives, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. Catch us next time on wlfe Radio.